Hey, Dean, how was your speaking engagement yesterday? It went great. I was at St. John Nepomuk Catholic Church in Yukon. We had a bunch of people there to learn about Marian Gardens, those gardens that are dedicated to the Blessed Mother. And we gave away seeds for flowers, and um, we did things like nasturtiums, marigolds, get it? Marigold. And I get it. Hollyhocks and zinnias. And hollyhocks are actually dedicated to St. Joseph. It was fun. Guess what else happened last week? What happened last week? I met one of our listeners. I want to give a shout out to Lacey at Summit Medical. She was the best and the sweetest, and she thinks you especially are funny. (laughs) Oh, I guess that's a good thing. It is a good thing. I'm not as funny (laughs) as you are, but let's get started. Okay, I'm going to hit the intro. Hi, Lacey. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on 7.5 acres out out in the country. But on those 7.5 acres, I only garden an acre and a half. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Good morning, Carol. We're back to our normal time on a Monday. Good morning, Dee. Yes. Want to hear about my garden? It's just so exciting in the wintertime. <laughs> I would love to hear about it. Uh, I did pot up the lily of the valley. I I don't hold out great hope. And I did want to say that the snowdrops that I potted up sprouted leaves really quickly and one flower bud, but it dried out without opening. Kind of. uh, So we'll see what happens with the lily of the valley. Microgreens grown great. I tended them. I should have another harvest in midweek. And I didn't get my seeds organized at all. (laughs) Well, that's something for this week. You can get them organized this week. I've lost some of my zinnia seeds. I can't find them. I have no idea where they are. (laughs) Well, I was supposed to count how many viola seeds I have in the refrigerator, and they're on the door. And every time I open the door, I say, I need to count that. I need to count how many packets are there. I need to count how many packets are there. So I didn't do that. And I promised our readers, our listeners, not readers, readers and listeners, that I would figure that out. So... You know what? I didn't. I didn't put mine in the refrigerator, so they may not even sprout. Who knows? Um, I have a question about microgreens. I mean, we have talked about it so much. I should totally know the answer to this. And I've grown them before, but for some reason, I can't wrap my mind around this. At what point do I cut the little suckers? Because I've got some up, and they're at the cotyledon stage, which is the first two leaves. And then a couple of them have gone on. I bet they're cilantro. They've gone on to the second set of leaves. So it is cutter's choice, as I say. Once they have good, strong cotyledons, you could cut them at that point, and I have. Mm-hmm. Or when you start to see those first little seed leaves, you can cut them then. I uh, wouldn't wait too much after that. But cilantro, I actually like to see the first true leaves. So it is cutter's choice. Oh, well, there you go. Harvester's and choice. I like that. Harvester's choice or cutter's choice. Well, maybe that's why I can't wrap my mind around it. Could be. Exactly. It's too nebulous. <laughs> Do you want to hear about my garden? Of course I do, because you're going to talk about pansies and violas. 
I sowed the seed for my pansies and my violas, my leeks, and my onions. And I hope it was cool enough. I hope they got enough of a cold period because I just threw them out there and we'll see what happens. I actually put them in the greenhouse and, like I said, we'll see what happens. And then I will later prick them out and put them in other containers and stuff. So, anyway, I hope I'm not too late. I hope you're not too late. I am tempted at the point where you said you sowed seeds for pansies and violas to insert in the tract like huge, huge applause. Um, I don't know don't if I can dare. do that. Don't you dare. <laughs> it's not worth huge applause. But I always grow pansies and violas. I just wanted to grow a whole bunch of blue ones. So here's my question for you. What do you think? Should I go ahead and stick them outside and let them get a little bit of cold? Or do you think they'll be Okay. I think that they will be okay. I don't think that they actually need a big cold stratification period to um, sprout. So I, I think they will be okay. They'll show up. It does take them a really long time to come to pansy size. I was I was surprised. Like 101 days on some of them. So I was like, dang, y'all, you're slow. Shall you do the next quote or the first quote, actually? Yes. In Seed Time Learn, in Harvest Teach, in Winter Enjoy, William Blake. Do you think that's a metaphor, like, you know, life? I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it. Okay, flowers. Um, We decided we would talk seed starting this week because, well, I mean, every year. And that's something I just thought of from my talk yesterday. So many questions about seed starting. So many questions. Even experienced gardeners who they they buy plants like galore, they just don't do seeds. So seeds are mysterious to some people. And really, they aren't mysterious. Flower seeds can be a little more mysterious than I think vegetable seeds are, for the most part. Although there are a few vegetable seeds that can be also mysterious. Um, they can be a little more complicated Because some of them, we already mentioned this, and milkweed seeds are in that group, unless you're doing tropical milkweed, they need cold stratification. Cold stratification means a cold period. So you can't start milkweed seeds just like you get the seeds and just put them in a pot and wait for them to grow. Generally, it should be on the seed packet if it needs cold stratification. Should be. And you can do that in the back of a refrigerator. You can store seeds, like I'm doing, that don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need cold stratification. But seeds that need cold stratification definitely need it, or they they won't sprout, or they won't sprout very well. And that's nature keeping them from germinating in the fall when they don't have a chance to get established. So winter says, hey, wait until you feel cold on the seed, and then germinate in the spring. Right. And I I would say a lot of native flowers need that. It's been my experience. All right. And then the next thing we were going to talk about is kind of gross. Some of them also need to pass through the guts of a bird. Or other animal. Or other animal, like a mouse is a good example. And so we can't do anything about that. That process is called scarification. So classic examples of seeds that benefit from this, although I don't think of sweet peas as passing through the birds. I think of a lot of tree seeds and stuff. And actually, this reminds me, I wrote an article about mistletoe for you know what. (laughs) 
And mistletoe has to pass through a bird, and it, the bird deposits it on the top limb of a tree, and then the mistletoe sprouts. Huh. And so, well, there you go. That's one. Isn't that there's a name for that too? The ben, where they both benefit from each other. So symbiosis. I don't about, know. Yeah, maybe symbiosis. Okay, so one I thought of immediately is morning glories. Yes. Morning glories do much better if you do scarification. And scarification is just scratching the seed on a surface. And um, another seed that... Well, back up to morning glory for just a tiny second. So... We talked about those yesterday because they're a Marian flower too. Yeah. And they come, some of them, in blue. My youngest sister especially loved, loved the marigolds. She'd let them bloom. And then the next year, she had marigolds everywhere. So I can't imagine that. You're saying marigolds, but you I, mean morning I meant glories. morning glory. You, the morning glories. Well, it can happen with marigolds, too. I can't imagine that the morning glory seeds, as many as she had, that they all passed through the, you know, through a bird to be planted. So they just need to be no. kind of roughed up a little bit. And Mother Nature can do that just with the freeze and thaw and things like that, too. So it's right. that's just... We just wanted to go for the grossest example first. There you go, because that's what we were all about. Um, so, what you wrote is best thing to follow. Best thing to do is to always follow the instructions on the packet. Some packets are better than others. I think Botanical Interests has one of the best packets out yes, there. Yes, they in do. Fact, in my book, I did a whole analysis of their packet because I thought it was so good. Well, you can split the packet open. And inside is way more information than just on the outside. So that is very cool. And that's that's one of the things I love about their packets the most is that you can do that. And then also you, you said make sure it's a credible source. Yes. There are people who buy a lot of seeds off of... Uh, I'm not going to say Etsy because I buy seeds off of Etsy, and actually I've had really good luck from the sources I've bought from. But there are other people who have bought things that are from, like there's one guy that sells stuff out of Minnesota, and his packets are not very good. So you want somebody who's pretty good. And always get your information from a credible source. Yeah. In the defense of people who have very scant information on their packets, they are marketing to seasoned gardeners, and they have some right. expectation that, for example, you know how to sow a marigold seed. Or a loofah. He sells especially, and I'm not picking on him, I don't even remember his name, but he sells weird stuff. And, and so he assumes that you are going to, if you're going to grow weird stuff, you know what you're doing, which is not always true. So you also have some books on your shelf about seeds. Yeah, I got to thinking, and I remember one of the very first books I bought in 1978 was Park's Success with Seeds, and I still have that, and uh, it has just tons of information, and I don't think in how many years, don't tell me how many years that's been, um, I don't think that seeds change year to year as to how they germinate. Our knowledge might change a little bit, but that's still a credible resource, and then I picked out another book called Seeds, The Definitive Guide to Growing History and Lore by Peter Lauer from 1995. Wow. Somehow ended up on my bookshelf. I, I don't know. But so there are, these are old books. You would have to find a uh, good used copy, as they say. But there are books out there that, and that's just examples of two. So um, 
One quick thing I wanted to say about seeds and also seed packets is when you're trying to figure out when to sow seeds, you first need to know your last freeze date or last frost date, depending on how you look it up. And I know what you I know you know what your average last freeze is. Don't you? May fifteenth. May fifteenth. What I counted as. Okay, so ours in uh-huh. central Oklahoma is April twentieth. But you know, we've been warm almost all of winter except for that one big cold blast. And um, people are itching to get out there and sow seeds right now. I would wait for most things. Um, we're going to have a lot more freezes between now and April. Yeah, when we talk about vegetables, I'm going to talk about that some more. Okay, that's a good idea. So do you want me to do the next quote? Yes. Your deepest roots are in nature. No matter where you live or what kind of life you lead, you remain irre- irrevocably linked with the rest of creation. And we did not write down who said this. So I will look it up while you talk about vegetables, and then we will say. So the vegetables, actually, we are going to link to a couple of very excellent blog posts that you wrote on growing your own transplants from seeds and starting tomato seeds. And when you get back from looking that up. I'm back. I'm back. His name is Charles Cook. I wanted to give him credit. Okay. Charles Cook said that. Yes. Okay, so what do you want me to talk about now? Well, you have a seed starting station in your basement, and I'm assuming your basement is not full sunlight, so tell us all about that, because that's probably something that anybody with a little spare room could set up. Well, it used to sit in my dining room, so it doesn't take up much room at all, and I made it from, I made it for Fiskars, and I've written about it over and over again. It's... um five shelves, and it literally is a shelving unit that Bill and I put together. We bought it at a home hardware store. And then at the top of each shelf, which my shelves are adjustable. We did that on, no, my shelves aren't adjustable. My lights are adjustable. We talked about doing it both ways. And so what I ultimately did is I made the top shelf with the lights closest to the seeds. Okay. Yep. And I don't have LED lights. I have fluorescent lights, but now everything is LED fluorescent, which is better because you'll get pure light probably. But mine works just fine. And I've had it ever since I wrote this for Fiskars. So probably 10 years so far. And mm-hmm. then on each tray, I have heat mats. And I bought the heat mats, some of them locally, some of them online. In fact, on my Instagram, I showed people the other day that Lowe's on 2nd Street has both lights and heat mats. Thank goodness we're starting to, you know, actually provide these things easily locally. Because used to be, they just supply the seed, the little seed packets, not the packets, but the little, I don't know, trays. The trays with the cover. And now they have lights Uh and heat mats. So for some seeds, you have to have heat mats. With almost all seeds, they will spring up faster if you have heat mats. And then I just have it all, you know, all down the line. I mean, I just have them all plugged into, um, what are those things called? It's a a plug. Timers. But it also, no, they're not on timers because you know what? I just do it 24 hours a day. You can do it either way. You can do daylight, not daylight. But my here's my theory about it. Um, I do it 24 hours a day because it doesn't use that much energy. And the truth is they don't get enough light really anyway. And so you're still going to have to take them in and out, in and out, and in and out, hardening them off. So I just give them as much light as I can. And then as they grow, I have the light further and further away, you know, 
Because you yes. don't want to burn your plants. Is there so any other? Is there anything I missed? Well, let me make a couple of comments. So okay. your lights have been going for ten years, and so if you're starting a brand new seed start seed starting station, I would definitely get full spectrum LED lights for best light yeah. source. And if those fluorescents last ten, I would bet you these LED lights would last twenty. So I bet they'll last be, twenty easy. Mm-hmm. They might seem a little pricey, but it's a good investment. And I would say, yeah. D, you you'd be surprised those those LED lights will fit in those fixtures where your fluorescents were, you might think about switching those out this year because fluorescents tend to get a little bit dimmer as they, as they go. And you might be mm-hmm. surprised by the difference. I might be, I, I might do that. I might not. It just depends. But I was going to say, Hey okay, listeners, wait a minute. When she says I might, I might not means she ain't. That means I ain't going to do it. Um, mine are full spectrum. They are okay. full spectrum fluorescents. And Honestly, I actually have one red light, not really red, but on more on the red spectrum and one green. That's just what I have. I, you know, my, my thing is, as long as you use full spectrum lights, you're going to be okay. I think LED is better. And if I was in the mood, I would switch them out. But that's a lot of lights. That's 10 lights. Yeah, and then it's, well, that would be my recommendation. You can take it or not. Listeners, take my advice, get LED. Anyway... I think the heat. Oh, and also, well, no, my advice is also buy LED at this point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally, because they don't get hot, um, and the light's more pure. And I would. I also am going to say this, and you're going to argue with me about this too. I use regular potting soil. In fact, I like the potting soil from TLC Nursery to start seeds. And occasionally, you'll find a stick in it, but most of the time, not. I do not use seed starting soil because it's really, really pricey. And it also tends to float because it's so dry. So if you're going to use it, you have to moisten it a lot. And it comes in much smaller bags. And I start a lot of seeds. So I just use regular potting soil. Well, and I don't... Oh, one more... Wait, wait, wait. Before you start to argue with me. One more thing. The TLC potting soil is what they also start seeds in because it does not have any nitrogen in it. It's just pure... Okay, so that's what I was going to say. So if you're going to start seeds with regular potting soil... Mm-hmm. I and you're going to pot them up. I would not buy one a potting soil that has fertilizer already in it because you're just you're wasting your money until you pot right. that seed up or it grows on a little bit. It doesn't need fertilizer. No, um, it I doesn't. would also make sure if you're buying regular potting soil that you're buying from a I'll say name brand, but damping off can be a problem. And so a lot of the seed mixes they have sterilized them, and you want to make sure you're buying a good quality mix. So that you right. avoid damping off. But I, I think you could be fine with either. You you could mix the two if you wanted to. It's it's really up to the person. It's up to I, the person. Just don't buy one that has a bunch of stuff in it. And I'll say this, TLC, is their their brand is really good. And it I'm pretty sure it's sterile. Because when I pull it out, it looks just like the seed starting mix. And by st- by stuff, you mean extra fertilizers and stuff, like slow-release fertilizers. Yeah, you definitely don't want to use Miracle Grow moisture control or Miracle Grow anything because you don't need Miracle Grow. See, we had a rather civil conversation and we did not. We argue. did, and we and see, I'm lazier than you, and I and I don't do things exactly the way you're supposed to. No, 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 I'm lazier than you. Well, well, okay, I don't believe you. So the other did you did you mention the other post yes. is about starting tomato I did. seeds? 
This came up yesterday in the talk when we gave away those trays because some of the tra- I couldn't find all of the same type of tray. And so one of the trays was a tomato and vegetable seed starting kit, which was just simply plugs of, you know, seed starting soil inside little mesh membranes inside, you know, the tray. I hate those, by the way. They work, but... They're not my favorite, but a lot of people are like... They do work, but you gotta you got to keep them watered, just like you do the Jiffy Pots. And that's something we should mention. If you use any of that kind of stuff, you have to keep it really watered because it the Jiffy Pots wick moisture away, as does this stuff. But the point people kept making, they didn't want to take those because they say tomato and vegetable. And I had to say to them, the seed doesn't know it's a flower or a tomato or a vegetable. So, I mean, maybe it knows what it is, but it doesn't know that it's starting a mix from the other because it's just, it's all the same. They just label it that way. Many of the seed so, starting supplies are still it's okay. peat-based products. And so what you said about keeping them wet, plan to start wetting them the day before, yep. soaking them good because they you'll get all jazzed up to sow your seeds and then you'll go in there and it's like, is this stuff ever going to absorb water? And you need to use Dry. warm water and plan plan overnight. I think that's one of the best pieces of advice. I wish I had told people that yesterday. But you can't no. think of everything to tell people. So Wait, but you told them about the podcast, right? There you go. So if they totally listen, right. then they will get that piece of advice. And with that, I'm going to go on to the next quote. Think not of the books you've bought as a to-be-read pile. Instead, think of your bookcase as a wine cellar. You collect books to be read at the right time, the right place, and the right mood. Luke Van Donker's good. You did good on that one. That was not easier. Easy. So you're going to talk about our book because you read it and I don't have this book. So... I don't know how you missed this one. It's called Ground Cover Revolution, How to Use Sustainable, Low-Maintenance, Low-Water Ground Covers to Replace Your Turf by Kathy Jentz. And Kathy is a friend of ours. And do you remember a couple of months ago, I had a book on ground covers and there were 4,000 and you rolled your eyes? Yes. So if that sent a listener's head spinning, then I'm here to recommend Kathy's new book where she has... Slim down the selection to 40 alternative choices for no mowing, no fertilizing, no pesticides, no problems. We should say where Kathy lives. Kathy lives in Washington, D.C., and she is also co-author with Terry Spite of The Urban Garden that we talked about last, last year. Last year. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, we don't bring on extra guests because reference, we are too lazy for that. So I sent it, Kathy an email. Well, we should have... Wait, we should explain. It is really hard to bring on guests. It is. Yes. You, you see how hard it is for us not to talk over each other? If yes. we have on a guest, it's even harder. And then Carol has to edit it all. So we're not really lazy. But go ahead. You sent her an email. I sent her an email and I said, Kathy, why did you decide to write a book on ground covers? And she said that when she moved to her home in Washington, D.C., she repped out her turf grass lawn and wanted to establish all perennial gardens. But in the meantime, she needed plants that would fill in quickly. Those are ground mm-hmm. covers. And she started experimenting with several options. Oh, and I like said, her. And then you asked her what her favorite ones. And I like her. 
um, her favorite answers. ground cover for the moment, she says, is epimediums, which I are love epimediums. I, I love, love epimediums. I love epimediums. Let's let's talk just a minute about how much epimediums are awesome, and you they're just starting to get popular in our part of the world. Yes, they are. And I'm talking about the central part of the United States. Um, you still can't buy them at a box store. Haven't seen them. I know you can find them at Bustani Plant Farm. You can find one or two varieties. Your best bet is to order them online, and they can handle dry shade. They can handle somewhat wet shade. They are And they also amazing, do fairly honestly. decently with more sun. You would be surprised. If they have water. And actually, mine gets some sun in the morning. And here's the cool thing. If it gets really dry in the summer and they're unhappy, they just go underground. So there's a lot of things about them. Anyway, sorry to step on that, but I do love Epimedia. Yes. So I noted that she said at the moment, because uh, I suppose like all of us, she would change her mind. Sure. So then I said, what ground cover do you love, but you just can't seem to get it to cover enough ground? And her answer was moss. She's got a five-foot square patch of it in her front, quote-unquote, lawn. Uh, but she would like that to grow and expand and still trying to figure out how to keep critters from digging it up and weeds from popping up in it, which reminded me of a, a show I watched of those moss lawns in Japan. And those, mm-hmm. those women are out there with tweezers, pulling up little weeds, pulling up debris. Um, I don't think Kathy, she is a, as busy a garden communicator as anybody I've ever met. I doubt she has time More. to go out there with tweezers and, and clean up that moss lawn. Yeah, that kind of goes against what you want it to do. Yeah, I would say I get a lot of uh, weeds and what moss naturally grows here. And yeah, if critters dig it up, then it kind of messes it up really bad. So the fact that she has five foot square of moss, I'm pretty impressed. I am pretty impressed as well. And so I asked her finally, what do you want gardeners to learn from your book, Ground Cover Revolution? And she said that there are many plants that are better suited for the tough parts of our landscape, where it's too wet, too dry, too shady, where turf grass will never be successful. And she is absolutely right. Like my violet patch that's under that one tree. Like your violet patch. Uh, Thank gosh. And she does. Thank God. Thank gosh. The violets decided to establish themselves there because they look great and they are weedy and happy under that tree. And she's got she's got a two page spread with a beautiful picture of violets. There they are, just like my violets yeah, and your are. violets. Yeah. So violets are one of the forty. So it's an interesting mix, that. and there's some in here that I had not thought of, uh, but very good. And so if you are somebody that wants to figure out how to do ground cover better, and you don't want that book, the complete book of ground covers, with four thousand, I recommend Ground Cover Revolution by Kathy Jentz. 40 Great Choices. Cool. I would actually read that. I would. It's it's due out February the 7th, but you can pre-order it now on probably bookshop.org because we have a link to it there, and Amazon, where we also have a link. Neat. And so I would like to tell you, Dee, because yes. I think I've told you before, and uh, that when I was in college, you had to get a practical experience in horticulture. Yes. And I worked at a ground cover nursery. Yes, you, I think you mentioned that with for, the other ground cover book, but yeah. Yeah. How I, did you work two on? Two summers. Huh? What were the ground what covers du jour at the time? So we had creeping flocks that we propagated. Mm-hmm. And then I cannot tell you, 
I'm kind of embarrassed how many hours I stood there and took cuttings from Vinca Minor, oh, which is now Vinca. like, no, 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 no. Do not grow that, people. It's very bad. We did Pachysandra. We actually, they did Clematis. We did Clematis. Oh, uh, they also grew mums. We did we did a little bit with mums. And we're talking about the bush type clematis, not the vining type, I assume. No, they grew the vining type as a ground cover. Hmm. It I was guess. ground cover specialist, but they also did mums, clematis. They were one of the first places that did tissue culture. Huh. Tissue culture is an interesting thing. We we mere college students, we weren't allowed to go in the near the t- tissue culture lab. Because we would be out sweating like pigs and, you know. It has, to anyway. ster- it has to stay kind of sterile. And it's complicated. Ground cover revolution. Yes, you would you would totally read this book, Dee. You would like it. Sorry you didn't it's get okay. it. It's okay. It is quite possible to leave your home for a walk early in the morning air and return a different person, beguiled, enchanted. That's by Mary Ellen Chase. And that brings us to our dirt. Our dirt is actually Margaret Roach's latest article in the New York Times, and it was on flower seeds. And she did an interview where she talked to, and I didn't write down who it was. You guys have to forgive me. I had a really bad week last week. Um, so the idea was to talk about starting flower seeds and ordering flower seeds. And so we have permission to get carried away. Yes, we do. And I was very we, excited about that. I was too, because... I do get carried away, and I always buy way too many flower seeds, and so I was really excited to see it. And then um, the other part of it was I just lost my place because Carol started messing with our document. Well, I wanted to tell you <laughs> <Which> I- <laughs> that it was Andrew Schuyler, S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R, Untermeyer Gardens Conservancy in Yonkers, New York. That's who she interviewed for this article. Thank you. I appreciate that. So one of the things that she talked about, which Carol liked, was about putting all the seeds in one container, like a small flat. Um, You'll see Monty Don do this a lot on Gardener's World, too, when he is sowing seeds. And you just kind of put the seeds across this flat, tamp them down, water them, you know, cover them enough, you know, whatever you need to cover them, depending on the size of the seed. And then you let them grow, and then you prick them out. And pricking them out is where you take either a chopstick or a small thing and you manage to get the roots out and the little thing and it's the little plant with its stem and then you go and you plant it in a bigger pot and it's already made some roots that's and that's a good way especially with small seeds like violas yes tiny tiny seeds they have very small seeds uh lettuce is a it's a good way if you do start your lettuce indoors which some people do so that they can have perfect rows perfect squares um, other things that are small. So he has some advice. I'm going to go through it quickly. I'm glad you looked it up while I just rambled on. Go ahead. Don't start too early, which that is true. I saw people starting peppers and tomatoes before Christmas. I'm like, way too early. No, way too early. I've not. Don't start those until like I don't know, first week of March. Uh, make a calendar so you know you kind of count back from the frost date. We did that. Invest in lights. Mm-hmm. Um, he recommends the LED strip lights and some others. He agrees with me. Use a germinating mix labeled for seed starting. La, 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 la. Wet the medium. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Uh, <laughs> tamp the seed bed down before sowing into it. So he uses a block of wood. We've seen Monty Don do that. I have one. 
Bill Bill made me one because I he made me one just like Monty Dawn's. Yay. And then how deep you should sew, you should do through the research. So you either it's covered or some of them don't want to be covered for germination. Um, he says when covering it, you sift, don't smear. So use a wire colander to sift a layer on top. That's a great idea. It is a great idea. But if you think I'm going to do that, I am not going to do that. And then he's, I barely have time to get out there and sew the darn thing. So a top dressing of granite poultry grit. To top it off, I do do that. You do do that almost always. Uh, yeah. Heat if the variety requires it, but once it's germinated, get it off the heat. It doesn't need it anymore. No, it doesn't. I just, you know what I do? I just turn off the heat mats. There you go. Because I have those plugged into the same deal, so I just turn off the heat mats or unplug them. And then yep. he says, when watering, think mist, not deluge. And so you want to make sure that you don't just drown your little seedlings. And he actually says, or wash them away. He uses a product from DRAM, the DRAM 510, for a hose-in mist nozzle. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. But we love a, we love DRAM products. I think that that's the one that, that's the original, but I could be wrong. We're going to look it up. I mean, it was made for nurseries, and that's and it's all metal, so it's, it's a really cool thing. We'll include a link to the DRAM 510. How's that? Okay. That's easy to do. And that was the... Dirt. That's pretty good dirt. It's a darn good dirt, and I'm glad you elaborated on it because it said in the notes that I was supposed to do it, and I had a week that was hard. All right, so you do the next quote. Any garden belongs to everyone who sees it. It is like a book, and everybody who visits it will find different things. Mark Hammer in Seed to Dust, Life, Nature, and a Country Garden. Rabbit holes. I kind of want to read that one. You should I totally want to read that book. You you totally do. This is this he wrote the book How to Catch a Mole. Yes. Which is yeah, really about let's stop it. killing the moles. They're not that bad. Anyway. Moles aren't bad. Moles don't even eat your plants. In fact, I wrote a whole series on for a family handyman on voles and moles. The differences, what eats what. I know more about moles and voles than I ever wanted to know. So rabbit your holes. rabbit hole, you explain your rabbit hole was a no good, terrible, horrible, bad week. <laughs> yeah. So my rabbit hole has nothing to do with gardening. Instead, it's about something called vitrectomy, specifically pars plana vitrectomy. So Bill had cataract surgery on Tuesday. It did not go well. And part of his lens from his own eye fell into the back of his eye. That's not good. <laughs> Um, it does all kinds of things, and you can't absorb it. But what's cool about PPV, I'm shortening it now, is that's the next um, that's the next surgery he had on Thursday because they had to do it fast because you can develop infection, glaucoma, all kinds of bad things. <laughs> um, there, so doctors really couldn't operate in the back of the eye very well before 1970. And so a man who was a doctor named Robert Mackamer in 1970 created the vitreous infusion suction cutter. And it was the way they could do a closed system. So it was a closed system and you were able to go in through the eye. And actually now you stay awake. I didn't tell you this before the deal, but you stay awake. You're sedated, but you're awake. And Bill said it looked like a Star Wars game inside of his eye. He thought it was the coolest thing ever because the little cutters would come in and just suck out those pieces of lens. 
So the good news is, is he's doing better, but I went down a rabbit hole about his surgery because I needed to understand what was going on. And the nice thing is, with that type of system, your eyeball stays round, That is, which is That important. is a very good system. Because most of your eyeball has liquid in it called vitreous fluid. I used to work for, opti- I was an optometric assistant when I was young, and I'm really fascinated by medical stuff. So that was my rabbit hole. Let's go back to gardening. Okay. So my rabbit hole, if you read my blog, you already figured out. So I started off with a lost lady of garden writing, Josephine News, because there's a quote about, you know, people think gardening begins in the spring, but it actually begins in January with the dream. And that is Josephine News. So she's a hoot. And I sent you a a text and say, we would totally want to talk to this woman. She died in 1974. But she, she sounds like just a real character. So, and I actually, several years ago, I bought her book that was published in 1970. It's called The Country Garden. And -hmm. I realized it starts in January and goes through the months of the year. And I thought, oh, you know what? I think I should read that and start January because it's January. The next thing I know, I something snapped in my brain and I'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm pulling down every book that I think goes January, February, March. And I've decided that I'm going to read those through the year, January, February, March. I've made a spreadsheet of these. I wrote a blog post. I put on Instagram. And then I got a bunch of other suggestions. And so, you know, some of them were old. I found good use copies. The thing is ridiculous. It's just gotten completely out of hand. So (laughs) it really sounds like somebody OCD and you're not OCD. So I'm trying to figure out if you will just end up completely confused or will you find a pattern that certain people do certain things in January, no matter where they live in the country or the world or whatever. And didn't you also find out that if they don't, if a lot of books, if they don't start in January, they start in September. Yeah, so it's gotten out of hand. I have 20 books listed now. Oh, my goodness, girl. Now, a couple of them, I, I, it's, it, like, it covers a year, but it's not distinguished by month, so I'll just, it'll be interesting. And then several of them, I'm still getting good use copies delivered. <laughs> oh, good grief. Okay. So to get sense of things, I did decide that those books that don't actually start in January, I'll wait mm-hmm. to start reading those on the month they start. Okay. So, like, um, Doug Tallamy's The Nature of Oaks actually starts in October, so I've tagged it to start in October. D, I have a spreadsheet to keep track. Well, you are the queen of the spreadsheet. People don't know that um, back in your former days, you did a lot of spreadsheets. I did. So, if anybody can do it, it's you. I hate spreadsheets. I did them, too, when I was a legal assistant, but... I hate them. So I have. So I try to avoid them at all costs. But I am impressed at what you're doing. I mean, I can't even get the. I haven't written. I've written a blog post, but I want to put in a picture about you know what I'm going to do to my a little drawing of what I'm doing to my cut flower gardens. And I haven't even had time to do the drawing, so I haven't published on the blog in what a month. Anyway, keep going. You know what? I've done a drawing of my garden on a spreadsheet because the. It's squares. The Mine are too. Raised beds or squares. I've actually done that on a spreadsheet. Well, we can talk about that afterwards, or if people want to hear about it next week, it can be part of our next week topic, along with uh, cold so- winter sowing of seeds. Keep going. 
So, so three things to wrap this Alrighty. up. I'm still interested in if readers, listeners, or readers of my blog, because I'll put the blog post. If they know of other books that go January, February, March, let me okay. know. Then you, you said, would I get confused? And I realized you meant like confused between um, a year in the Maine woods, a year in Provence. <laughs> A year, a year here, a year. Because you're reading all these different authors. And if you're reading 20 different authors and 20 different chapters each month, I think I might get confused. But you know what? You could, on your spreadsheet, you could fix that. Well, I can take notes. And I, the spreadsheet was originally going to be, I'm going to check off as I read it. Then, and I'm still going to do that. But then, this is, I went out to Canva, the graphics design website. Yes, I know Canva. I made bookmarks. I made bookmarks that list the months of the year. And so I stuck a bookmark in each one. And then I can check off as I read the month, I can check it off. And then I kind of know where I'm at in the book. Well, Other than like the bookmark would be in the right spot. Yeah. I never was worried that you couldn't keep up with where you were in the book. I'm more concerned that you, if you're reading 20 different people that you don't just throw your hands up. Well, if I'm narrowing it down. I'm not reading 20. I'm glad. But it might be 16. We'll see. Okay. That's a heck of a rabbit hole, girl. Oh, my God. I fell in deep. Anyway, Josephine Noose was very humorous, so there's that. I would enjoy her. So and the good, want- news is, oh. the good news is, Mrs. Green Thumbs by Cassandra Dance, who we both love. Everybody love loves that. Mm-hmm. That book goes January, February, March, so it got on the reading pile. Good, because it would be fun to read it again. I've read it <laughs> twice, I think. It's it's a classic, and she's so funny it's gonna, and yeah, so it's honest. It's going to take me a year. Yes. I bet she didn't use seed starting soil. We'll find out. Well, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> we, will, we will find out. So we want to go on to garden commissions? Yes, please. Okay, so I'm cleaning out my pots on the back deck. I can now see them from my new office. We have to talk quickly oh. about my new office. Yeah, it needs more pictures behind you. It does because, well, originally that was a bed that was there, so I didn't have any pictures there. Um, I'm cleaning, so I can now see my deck and I can see part of my garden, which is kind of cool. And um, I'm going to put everything on the compost pile that I pull out of there. And I. I'm also going to finally direct sow my poppy seeds today because we're supposed to get rain tomorrow. So after I hang up with you, I am literally going to go outside and seed those poppy seeds. And then I may also start some of my nasturtium seeds. I think I have some from, um, it says triple A here, but AAS and All-American Selections. And I think they're called Baby Rose. And I've grown them before, but they sent me more seeds this year. And I really liked that nasturtium. That is a really good nasturtium. And you can buy it now, I'm almost sure, because it's been out for a while. Um, That nasturtium is great for pots because it stays pretty compact. That's it. What are you doing? I, I think I've grown Baby Rose, so I do think it is available. And now yeah. I'm thinking, did I get nasturtium seeds? So that is top of my list. I truly need to organize my seeds. Perhaps you this really time do. to start with another, start another spreadsheet. Uh, per usual, <laughs> I am totally doing a spreadsheet. D, <laughs> do you love spreadsheets? I think that's great. Um, I'm going to keep tending my microgreens. 
uh, I might write a blog post about them. I, there is that Family Handyman article, but I, I think I could write something with a little more character. <laughs> yeah. And then, believe it or not, D, I have another Lego building set. I have the Bird of Paradise. Okay. You enjoy that. <laughs> it has 1,173 pieces, which I'm going to put together. Yeah, I can tell you're not married. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I have time for all kinds of hobbies. You do. You do. I well, have more and actually, time than I do. If yeah. I had a cat around, that might be a problem because I think a fair number, not a fair number, but a couple hundred of those pieces are what they call the mulch, which are just little Lego pieces that you just put Drop in the in. base. Mm-hmm. And totally, totally not cat proof, I'm sure. Oh, which no. reminds me, Minute with Masha. Masha has grown leaps and bounds this week, and she has caught two mice. And in my house, yes, I do get mice because I live in the country. And my children say I live in an old house, and I do. It is an old house. It's 41 years old now, I think. Maybe, no, it's 51 years old. So log houses, I get mice. So she's caught two mice. She has not killed them. I had to throw one outside, and then I went to throw one in outside Went through one outside last night, and it bit me. Are you okay? I'm just fine. It didn't break the skin or anything. I've never had a mouse bite me before. That one was very traumatized by my cat. Anyway, it went outside too. So she doesn't know how to kill them yet, but she is a good mouser. She, she ferrets them out really well. Very good. And with that high note... Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. And thank the recent listeners who've given us five-star reviews. That helps us get noticed by others. It moves us up in the algorithm. Could you also share our podcast with any of your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our free Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelus at Substack.com, which is also linked to in our show notes. You get the podcast a day earlier, and you also get expanded notes, which is cool. Very cool. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.